You're listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. On this edition, we'll talk with the curator of a film festival highlighting aging, how people experience it, what that means, and why it's important to tell these stories. It's like an opportunity for people to see other people and reflect how this can give them some kind of meaning in their own lives. For me personally, a lot of these films that I see have had an impact of uh, resiliency and how no matter what adversities or challenges people are dealing with, there is a sense of resiliency and also the roles that caregivers and family members have. I'm Laura Wenis, and this is Civic. Before we get started... At the Public Press, which is Civic's parent organization, we've been working really hard during this pandemic to pursue angles we're not seeing much coverage of elsewhere, or to take a more systemic look at the issues that are surfacing in the headlines. The San Francisco Public Press is a nonprofit, and we're inspired by the public radio model. That's the idea that people who are able to support the work that we do so everyone can have access to it without paywalls or ads. If you think we're onto something, we'd very much appreciate if you could show your support. You can do that by going to sfpublicpress.org slash donate or by helping us get the word out about this show. Subscribe on whichever podcast platform you use or leave us a review. It really does help. So thanks. Aging tends to be obscured from movies or portrayed in ways that perpetuate stereotypes about what it is, at least in Hollywood. But the films at the Legacy Film Festival on Aging explore more fully what it means to get older. The festival will showcase films about themes we typically associate with aging, like memory, disability, and caring, but also includes stories about how people have and still do show courage in the face of hate, and how they've advanced civil rights. I talked about the festival's vision and some of the films you can see with Arlene Reef, its curator. So we're at a time now where people from many different communities are elevating the conversation about diversity and representation in media. I think if ever there was an ageist industry, I'd say we could probably point to cinema. So how does the Legacy Film Festival change what portrayals of aging and elders we see on the screen? Yeah, that's a very, very good question. We change it by overcoming some of the stereotypes and ageism that people have. Our mission really is to inspire, educate, and entertain people about all the variety of aging. You know, I think there's just so many stereotypes going on about it. So we deal a lot with the challenges and triumphs, and we give people an opportunity to see how different stories of how people are managing their lives later on in their life So um, it's giving a new lens on this. We've been giving this festival now, this will be our 10th year, and every year that we've had it, we've gotten uh, wonderful uh, evaluations from the audience of how they feel that it's really opened up their lens, their eyes about that uh, life isn't just over because you're getting older. Can you tell me more about that? What else have you heard from people in the audience, whether they're younger or older, about what it feels like to see people on the screen who are seniors who defy those stereotypes? Yeah, I don't know if I can uh, at this point really relate so much to that because we just generally people talk about, 
you know, they may refer to specific films they've seen Mm -hmm. and they'll relate to it and it will give them ahas. And then we have very dynamic Q&As, question and answer sessions with the filmmakers and experts. And we have very, very lively discussion. So it's like an opportunity for people to really, as I say, kind of see other people and reflect how this can give them some kind of meaning in their own lives. For me personally, a lot of these films that I see have had an impact of uh, resiliency mm. and how no matter what adversities or challenges people are dealing with, there is a sense of resiliency and also the roles that caregivers and family members have. You know, it's not easy, but people live with these challenges and they find ways of dealing with them. On the Legacy Film Fest website, you pose the question, will we age gracefully or crankily or painfully or defiantly? And that makes me think, well, how about all four? I mean, (laughs) what does it mean for you personally to age gracefully? Exactly. Well, okay, I'm going to make a confession that I don't do very often. I am 85 years old. Wow. 85 years old. Wow is right. You know, I look in the mirror and I say, this is 85. I'm 85. But what I've done with my life as I've gotten older, and I guess even when I was younger, is I'm always embracing new challenges and connections. And being part of the Legacy Film Festival has played a very important role in my life of feeling um, I'm doing something that I'm contributing to helping to make change and growth. I'm also involved in uh, another organization for older people, and I'm very involved in planning and development. So for me, resiliency and taking on new challenges is very, very important and you know just dealing with issues as they come up i happen to be very fortunate i live right across the street from my daughter and my two young grandchildren mm, so perfect. my life exactly it just feel i feel blessed every day and i just you know i feel hopeful that i can deal you know as i have with whatever health issues come down the road so um yeah, you know, it's it's not all roses by any means, but it's, for me, it's being sure that I'm not feeling isolated. However, there are many, many older people who do feel isolated. And, uh, you know, we hope that these films will somehow give them a sense of more inner um, strength about coping with their lives. Yeah. Yeah, the idea of aging crankily, you know, to me, there is a sort of grace in that. (laughs) I wonder if you could talk a bit about the different kinds of grace on display in these films and the ways that people handle that. I mean, there's the practical aspect of handling health issues or isolation, but there's also just the attitude toward aging. Well, where my crankiness comes up about my age is the fact that I am this number and also, when my grandchildren tease me about, you're 85 years old, look at this thing in your hand, man. <laughs> so that's when, I, that's when I get cranky. Mm. Yeah. 
You've been working with the Legacy Film Festival for several years. You've served on the board since 2014. What drew you personally to this program when you originally got involved and, and what it brings to the cinema and arts culture of San Francisco? Okay, so let me just sort of go back in time. I was involved for many, many, many years with an organization called the Transition Network. It's an organization for women 50 and over and dealing with the transitions in their lives. And there was a meeting that we had uh, dealing with what we want to get and give. And at that meeting, Sheila Malkine, who is the executive director and founder of Legacy Film Festival, who I knew because we both had gone to the same high school in Brooklyn. (laughs) Yes, it was really wonderful. Anyway, she mentioned that what she was really looking for is to find a volunteer to or volunteers to join the film festival. And I said, this is couldn't come at a more perfect time because I was really looking for an involvement. Also, I uh, years back, I had written a screenplay and I've been involved a little bit in making some films. So I was very, very motivated to be able to join her and the board to uh, work on, you know, continuing the film festival. Since then, we've had a pandemic. (laughs) I believe this is the 10th film festival, and last year you had to cancel it. Um, Can you tell me about the decision to do that and now the decision to go online now that we still can't have in-person festivals, or at least not the way we used to? Well, it wasn't so much that we initially had the decision Mm. to cancel it. You know, when the pandemic happened, we realized that we had to go virtual. Well, what did we know about going virtual? Nothing. And so we have been involved in an enormous, enormous learning curve and challenges. First of all, trying to find a platform. What is a platform? How do you do a film festival virtual? So uh, it took us a long time and we realized that we needed more of a window of time to really make this work effectively. Mm. And so we did finally uh, team up with a platform called FilmBot and worked with them over the last number of months, many months, to to get this um, online. So, yeah, and as a matter of fact, we will be showing the film festival during Older Americans Month. So that really felt like a very good fit for us to be showcasing our films then. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a discomfort with technology and online experiences is certainly not universal to seniors, but you might say that age is often a factor in the digital divide. So how do you think this is going to change your audience, if at all, geographically and demographically? Well, that's going to be very interesting to see how many people will actually get online, you know, older individuals. Well, we don't only uh, hope to reach older, but younger individuals as well. When we have had our film festivals on, you know, live, they have been held most recently at New People's Cinema in Japantown. And during the festival, we would get between 400 to 500 viewers to come. I have no idea how many we will get at this point. You know, how many people will want to uh, actually, 
you know, watch, sit by themselves, you know, in front of a monitor or their iPad to see films. So that remains to be seen. However, other film festivals that have gone virtual have done very, very well and have also reached, you know, international and national audiences. So that's going to be something that we will hopefully be able to evaluate, you know, as we go along. Yeah, I do wonder about that because, I mean, I'm doing a lot of interviews. I often do a lot of interviews about film festivals and films that are coming up at various film festivals. And, you know, even by kind of the end of last year, thematically, I was a little burned out on the topic of, well, how are you going to go virtual? And and just even the idea of, you know, yet more screen time, which has been the hallmark of this pandemic and being locked down. So I wonder if if that's you know, where we're at with film festivals? Are you worried about people being tired of, of virtual events? Or is this, you know, just what we've gotten used to now? I mean, on the other hand, it is a lot nicer to be able to sit on my couch in my room <laughs> and and not have to worry about, you know, getting dressed up and stuff to go participate in, in something like a film festival. Where do you think we're at? Well, I think where we're at is hopefully with the pandemic and with the vaccinations that are happening, that next year we will be able to go live again, which is so hard to uh, know for sure what will be. Hopefully this will be the last virtual one that we will have uh, because there's nothing like being with an audience in particular, you know, the buzz and then particularly uh, at the New People's Cinema, they have a very lovely setup where downstairs it's very cozy and people talk and relate. You can hear the buzz about the different films. And then also having live interaction with the filmmakers is very good. We are going to have interviews for a number of the films with uh, the filmmakers and some of the members of the uh, – some of the subjects of some of the films. So. Mm. Hopefully people will want to see that. And then they'll have a chance to, you know, see like over 38 films for $50 or $8 a film. So hopefully we'll get our audience. $8 a film ain't bad. Um, I mean, as as theater going goes, it is virtual now, but that's that's not bad. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little curious about how this uh, all sustains itself. I mean, you've had to do quite a bit of setup technological. I mean, you were talking about finding a platform and making this all happen. Um, how, how has that worked out just in terms of the resources you've had to pour in to, into going virtual? We've had some tech people who helped us. And then uh, the big thing was getting connected with what's called like a platform that will then take all of the downloads and the uploads of all the films and, you know, create the website that you see, Mm. which is quite nice. So, but a big part of what happens is before that, which is as film curator, um, I'm overseeing, we had like about 116 uh, filmmakers this year who submitted their films for selection. And from that, we chose uh, about a fourth of them. So what's involved with that? We have our board and a screening panel of other volunteers who look at every one of these films and review them. And then our board discusses them. Sometimes we have some very lively discussions. And then from that, (laughs) 
we uh, decide on the themes and the grouping of the films that we're going to have. So and this year, we're going to show films that focus on uh, the themes of adapting, like adapting to loss and grief, um, buoyancy and memory. Uh, we have a wonderful film about a playwright who has dementia and how she teams up with another writer about her writing. And then caring, you know, the uh, caregivers and people coping with that. And then we have quite a film uh, on disability. Uh, and a big issue is about civil rights and people being involved in that. Uh, one film in particular called No Time to Waste is about this wonderful African-American East Bay resident, Betty Reed Soskin, who is at age 99, still works as a park ranger at this wonderful park called Rosie the Riveter National Historical Park in Richmond. Mm-hmm. Have you ever gone there, uh, Laura? No, but I have heard of Betty Reed Soskin. <laughs> oh, yeah. She is, she's just a hoop. She really is. And this film talks about her passion as an advocate and what she experienced in her life. And she still is, you know, a champion for for civil rights. And um, she's really quite something. So, yeah, you know, there's a lot involved, the backstory, before you see that website and before you actually attend the film festival. And that's where we have this wonderful board. Uh, not too many of us this year. It's been four of us and uh, five of us and then some other volunteers as well um, who done all the various steps involved in making this happen. I'm speaking with Arlene Reef, curator of the Legacy Film Festival on Aging, which runs virtually May 24th through 31st. I'm curious how you choose. You've outlined the process for me, but what makes a film, you know, if you're getting, if only a quarter of the films that are submitted are selected, what are the criteria? What makes a film stand out to you as one where you say, yes, I really want other people to see this. This is something that needs to go and be a part of the Legacy Film Festival on Aging. That's really a very, very good question. You know, I think we look at each film. I don't, it's not so much that we have a set of written criteria and then we look at the films. Each time each of us are reviewing a film, we are looking at it in terms of how it moves us, how it is developing the story, how it relates to what we want to accomplish about uh, resiliency and hope and people overcoming loneliness or finding ways of coping. So, uh, you know, we get, it's a hard choice because um, there are other films that we don't choose that if, you know, possibly at another time we would choose, but that's where our discussions come in. And we talk about, you know, uh, a yes, no, or maybe. And the yeses are where we feel they are really meeting what we're looking for and that we want to share as, um, you know, communicate with our public. And then there are some films that are not made very well, but mostly we're dealing with uh, finding these films that, say, yes, we want to share this with others. And if you look at the films that we are showing this year, the 38-some films, 
they're they're each covering very very special stories. I'm also curious about the timing of these films. Um, I personally know that because I, I saw one of them and did one of the interviews about them. Um, I <laughs> I know that one of the films was made, you know, in the late 90s, I think. They're not necessarily new films. Um, so can you talk about how, you know, how established some of these films are? Or what, you know? Most of the films, most of the films we're showing have been made like in 2019 and 2020, mm-hmm. but there have been special films. Do you? Are you talking about Johnson's List? Yes, Johnson's List. That was a film that Sheila Malkine really had quite a lot of commitment about wanting to share because it's such a very special story of a man who found a way of reaching out to uh, the families of victims of the war. Yeah, so that's an example. Yeah, I think, so Johnson's list, uh, the titular thing, um, was the a list that a POW in the Korean, in, yeah, in the Korean War kept um, of other people who were imprisoned with him. And then, you know, when he returned, he was able to bring this list with him, which was no small feat uh, without giving too much away. And that ended up being really important and valuable to the people who found their loved ones on that list because they didn't know what had happened to them. They, you know, they were going decades without having answers about what happened to their loved ones and and who were sent off to war. Um, And one thing that strikes me about that, because this film was made a a little while ago is that um, the people who are, featured in the documentary are no longer with us and i imagine that especially if you're you know doing a film festival about aging and and documenting people's lives who are elders that that might happen somewhat frequently does that does that bring anything in particular do you think to the experience of seeing these stories i don't know i know for us when we've seen the films we're not thinking, oh, these people are no longer alive. <laughs> you know, we're looking at their experience and sharing. There are certain themes that, are, you know, like some of them are universal or uh, that are timeless. You know, for example, we're showing the film, the 1974 film of Awakenings about Dr. Oliver Sacks, you know, his work with catatonic patients. And uh, we wanted to show that, because, and that's in line with this uh, very uh, striking film we have on Code of Freaks about reframing disability. Mm. So we wanted to show and hear directly from him uh, back originally. I know there's a more recent film about his his work as well. It's like for myself, whenever I'm seeing a, a film, I don't think, oh, this person is no longer alive. I'm looking at at what that experience is and how it's moving me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I asked that more because of um, one thing that stood out to me in the Courage Against Hate section. There's this image of the woman holding up a copy of the order for the forced removal of Japanese Americans, which led to the incarceration of, I think, more than 100,000 people during World War II. And with that image, you know, not only are we seeing the resurgence of anti-Asian hate right now, we're also at a time when the survivors of this incarceration they're elders now. And and so, you know, there's a sense to me of like it, it being important to capture 
these stories and experiences. Exactly, exactly. You're right. You're right on target. That is. There's like a continuum, right? A continuum of some of these uh, very stressful uh, realities that we're living with now and that we were living with then. Can you talk about any of the other films in that category about where where you can kind of see the history and how it's how it <laughs> how its echoes are being heard now um, when you see these people tell their stories and share their experiences? Well, there's a film that is enormously powerful for me called The Euphoria of Being. And this is a film about a 90-year-old Hungarian Holocaust survivor who she'd written a book, a memoir in Hungary of her imprisonment in Auschwitz. And what she does, and the filmmaker had discovered this book and got in touch with her and decided to make a film weaving her story of anguish and uh, survival and the tragic death of 49 members of her family, which included her mother, her father, and her little sister. I I just can't imagine. So this is a woman. And what happened is they had her meet and choreograph a dance for a dance performance with a young dancer Mm. And together, they create the most meaningful bond. And you see this creative and cathartic experience and healing experience for this woman as she uses dance as a way of symbolically uh, sharing and living through and perhaps having a little bit more meaning about this. So think of this. 90 years old, and it's still with her. Of course it is, course, you know. Yeah. experience never leave people. It, they're, they're in their lives. So um, that's, that's a film that is very, very powerful for me. Yeah. I wanted to return for a moment to the themes here. You already mentioned a few, but I'll recap them. Themes like buoyancy, adaptation, caring. Yeah civil rights and courage against hate. Those things are always important, but is there anything about the time that we're in right now that makes them particularly salient right now? Well, yes, because we have to have a lot. I mean, we're dealing, we're in a movement right now where there's so much hate going on, you know, against Asian Americans, against African Americans, against, you know, what's happening politically and the law. I mean, there's just so much uproar that's going on in society. So these aren't just historical films, you know, the ones that are dealing with the times past, but they're like a wake-up call uh, for what's going on now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're um, coming up on the end of our time here, but I want to give you an opportunity to add anything that I didn't specifically ask you about that you wanted to say. Oh, well, thank you. I, well, let me just uh, mention that I hope people will take the opportunity to look at our website, and uh, it's at, can I say yeah. it? Yeah, 
Legacy Film Festival on Aging, that's one word, dot org, www.legacyfilmfestivalonaging.org. And I urge you to get on the, the website and take a look at what we're offering. And I hope that you will join us, join us in um, this look at what's going on uh, with our older people and what's, how that reflects what's going on in our lives. Great. Arlene, thank you so much for this work and for talking with me about it. Thank you. That was Arlene Reef, curator of the Legacy Film Festival on Aging, which runs virtually May 24th through 31st. Details at LegacyFilmFestivalOnAging.org. I'm Laura Wenis, and you've been listening to Civic. Civic is produced at KSFPLP 102.5 FM in San Francisco. Our theme music is by John Dillon. Our team includes producer and contributor Mel Baker and assistant producer Liana Wilcox. KSFP is a project of the San Francisco Public Press, a nonprofit investigative newsroom. Find our reporting at sfpublicpress.org.